Hi, and welcome back to Making the Turn. I'm your host, Vince Drummond. Today we've got episode three for you guys, turning pro and deciding where to play. This episode is going to be perfect for anyone who's interested in playing professional golf or anyone who just wants to get to know what the life of a young touring professional is like. We've got 23-year-old English professional Jack Clarkson with us today. Jack just recently finished up a very successful collegiate career in which he was a three-time NAI All-American, a three-time NAI National Championship participant, and collected five collegiate wins. After his college career, Jack had to try to figure out when he was going to turn pro and where he was going to try to play. Jack talks through his decision about eventually deciding to try to go to Q School for the Alps Tour. He also talks more about the Alps Tour and some of the costs that are associated with smaller tour professional golf. Jack also gives us great insight into his practice and preparation for events. And finally, Jack gives some amazing tips to young golfers who are looking to turn professional or who are just looking to find that collegiate spot. So let's get right into it. Here's our interview with Jack Clarkson, episode three of Making the Turn, a golf performance podcast. Hats forward, headphones on, let's go. All right, well, we're here with Jack Clarkson today. Thanks for joining us, Jack. Really appreciate you coming on the show. No problem. Awesome. Well, really excited to get started, get a chance to talk to you today. I kind of want the focus today to be on turning pro, kind of what goes into that decision. And then uh, for someone who's going to be in your shoes as a young professional, kind of what you're looking for as you try to find a place maybe to play and look at some of the tours. So why don't you start off by just kind of introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about you and kind of how you wound up where you are now as a professional golfer. Yeah, sure. So I'm Jack Clarkson. Uh, I'm from Blackpool, England. I'm 23 years old now. Um, <laughs> I had to think about that one. Um, so, so I've been playing competitively probably since I was about 12, 13. But I was always good at golf and soccer, football for us over here. <laughs> um, but so yeah, so I was always playing them two sports and it came, came where I had to make a decision to which one I was going to play because I was pretty good at both of them. But um, I decided to play golf in the end just because it was a sport that I wanted to practice more and actually I enjoyed it more. So I thought, why not? We'll give it a go. Uh, so I was playing like county level since I've been 13 probably. So like playing in county events and then started playing in junior national events when I was about 15, 16 playing quite a few junior stuff. Then the time came to where I decided I wanted to go to America to um, study and also uh, keep keep my golf up and uh, progress to the next level. So, I mean, I, I decided that quite young that I wanted to come over. So, like, obviously, through the process, everyone knows how it works. So it's a little more different for international students because we have to go through like an agency because I honestly had no idea how to go about it. <laughs> so I had to get some help on that aspect. But now I ended up going to a small 
university in Missouri called William Woods, NAIA school. Uh, Vince knows he's assistant <laughs> coach there for one of my years. Um, but now every summer I'd come home, play the amateur circuit. I played the men's, well, I tried to play in as many men's competitions as I could at an early age just to get some more experience and uh, play against the best, really. Because that's, that's honestly the only way you know where you are is to play against the best players. So Definitely. I think that's, that I think that's I great advice that. for anybody yeah. who's younger and looking at, at what's next is obviously you – you want to learn how to win, so you want to play kind of at that local. Oh, yeah, definitely. But you also have to be able to play against the best competition possible. So whether that's – obviously for you guys, it's a little bit different. Being able to play national yeah. events means a little bit different travel than it does for us over yeah, here. Yeah, definitely. Um, trying to just figure out events where you can play and put yourself against better competition is something that's always important and really going to challenge you as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously it's a lot different – over there as well. I think it's, well, I've heard it's quite expensive to play a big amateur schedule over in America, but it's not not as bad here in the UK, which is an advantage for us guys. Maybe the competition sometimes isn't the same level because of the amount of players in America, but that's another reason why I wanted to go over the university. There's so many good players and it's just a different style of golf. So yeah, definitely doing that. Yeah. Um, talk about that just a little bit before we move on to your professional stuff. Just kind of the the differences that you saw even between just like your college events and then when you would go home for the summer in terms of maybe tournament setup that was different or course setup, any of the things that kind of really stood out as being different when you look at the tournaments you played back home versus the tournaments you played over here in the States. So, I mean, um, most of the tournaments, in, well, to start with, the grass is different as soon as I came <laughs> over. So I, we only really play. Most of the courses here are, I think it's bent grass, most that we play on. So like going over there, I think the first in Missouri, it's mostly zoysia. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that was, that was a little bit different. And just playing abroad as well is different. Just hard. I found it hard my freshman year I struggled a little bit to adapt to the game I just really settling in and finding your feet really yeah um but no the course setup wise it's a lot different in America obviously you got longer courses a little bit wider lots and lots of birdies to be made (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it can be a bit of a putting comp out there yeah for sure that's that's just that's just the style of the golf though but um, and obviously coming back home, you you play a different style of golf. There's lots of styles of golf within the way you play and the tournaments you play. So you go out, you play a few links courses. It's a completely different style of golf. Yeah. Than what you're used to out there. Um, you play quite a lot of courses that make you think more than they do out in America. Like uh, there's only one course I can think of that we played on our college schedule that you stand on a par five and you wouldn't hit a driver. But like oh, back home, there's multiple holes where you'd stand on a par five and think, I can't hit driver, <laughs> which, is, which is strange. Right. But it just, just makes, it's, makes you think a little bit more. Yeah, it's just, just the way it is over there. 
Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, let's get into the professional side of things. Um, obviously, a professional golfer now uh, have been for what a couple of weeks, a month. Not not too <laughs> not very long. long. Couple, yeah. couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about um, kind of when you decided that you wanted to give professional golf a shot, and then how you sat down and kind of figured out when you wanted to go about yeah. turning pro. Yeah. So, um, well, I, from probably 16 or 17, I always want, that was the main goal. I was trying to become a professional. That's what I wanted to do, but it probably wasn't until my junior year that I thought I can actually give this a go and give myself a good go at it and try and make a little bit of money and have some success just basically because I had a I had a better year that junior year and when I came home I had a really good summer on the amateur circuit obviously playing against some really good players so that was when I kind of thought yeah we're gonna give this a go and like put everything into it to become a professional and get on the tour one day so yeah so I did that um in regards to choosing what tour well I came back I graduated college which I wanted to do before I turned pro anyway and then I played the amateur circuit this summer Mm -hmm. which I felt like I kind of had to play it this summer just to try and I I didn't have a great summer but I felt like it was because I was putting a bit too much pressure on myself to do well to try and get noticed and then obviously try and get a bit of backing for sponsors to then go into the professional game right but it ended up and I didn't play great and I had a little bit of an injury through the summer and was playing through it a little bit which probably shouldn't have um then I knew well I sat down with my coach and we had a few different options about what I was going to do next so I I could have gone to European tour Q school but I felt like I wasn't quite ready for that yet I wasn't playing that great which I mean you never know it's right it's a few weeks you can always turn up and play well but right. I just didn't feel comfortable enough to do that so I sat down we worked out that uh, we were going to do the Alps tour which the qualifying schools in December which gave me a bit more time to practice and go through the motions and get sharp in all my all the aspects of the game and also my coach coached another guy who went through the Alps tour first as well so he had more of an understanding of what it's about and I've got all this stuff from when he played it so we can nice. go through it like that and it gives me just a bit more of an idea of what I'm getting into. Yeah for sure so for the people um, over like over here in America especially but even I'm sure some of the people in Europe don't all know what the Alps yeah. tour is so go ahead and just explain that real quick kind of how it's set up and then we can get more specific into your experience yeah. at school there so the alps tour is is like the third tier of european golf so you got the european tour then you got the challenge tour then you've got in like a bracket you have the alps tour euro pro like pro golf tour as well i think there's another one called that so it's it's kind of like a, a stepping stone towards the challenge and then the european tour so similar so, to like Latin America or Canada over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty similar to that. Maybe awesome. not quite. There's not quite the money that's in the uh, Canada or Latin America, but it's it's the same concept. Yeah. 
So, so the top, yeah, go top ahead, five. Sorry. So the top five from the order of merit from this year get onto the challenge tour. Nice. So it's like a stepping stone. Like I think, is it the same towards the yep. web.com? Yeah. Yep. So it's exactly the same then. Awesome. Uh, so obviously went to Q school there kind of beginning to middle of this month, spent a couple of weeks in Spain. Why don't you kind of go yep. through your experience at Q school, kind of what that was like, how it was set up and then go through some of your experience as well. Yep. So the Q school, the first, so I had to go cause I had no status at all. I had to go to the first stage and then from the first stage into the final stage. But luckily they're all at the same venue, which is nice. So I went over there, I think on the 5th or 6th of December. It started on the 9th, so I went over there, just got there fairly early, had a bit of practice, played the course a couple of times, um, did some more practice and got straight into it really. Um, first stage, played really well, 66 first round, so I was in a good position from there and then uh, followed it up with a two under 69, so I made it through quite easy, I think came second in the end, so there's no stress straight into final yeah, stage. Definitely. Um, so then the next day I played a practice round around the, cause the final stage was on two courses. It was on the course that I just played one round was on there and then two rounds was on another course at the same, because there's three courses at this venue. So I played a practice round on the other course the next day, just got to grips with that, had a look around. Then I didn't play the day after. I just practiced. I just worked on a few things. So I was just fresh for, for the final stage. Uh, first day of final stage, it was the weather was shocking. <laughs> it, was, it was blowing a gale. It was raining. We wondered how long we would be out there. It was that bad. But after about five holes, it stopped raining. Sun came out, so we were pretty lucky. It was still nice. breezy, tough day. As, yeah, the scoring wasn't great that day, so but I hung in there, got through that day, uh, posted a good number, posted 68, so I was way up there. Same again. Second day, off first, nice day, and just didn't click for one reason or another. Didn't play great, but as made the cut easily. So like the top 65 got through to the final day. And then the top 35 got a full card. So then final day, I just played solid on the other course again. Got through quite easily, came 20, tied 21st. So yeah. I got a uh, full category on that. So, yeah, was, that was just the main aim for the week. Obviously, it would have been nice to finish higher up, but at the same right. time, it doesn't really matter if you finish first or 35th. So it's just Definitely. job job done. And uh, I know what I can play in next year, which is nice. And, you know, I can kind of go with my schedule now to people and like show them like, if you want to sponsor me, this is what it's going to go towards. For like sure. break it down like that. And yeah. So yeah, it's nice to have some status anyway. Yeah. So talk about that week. Obviously it's a, a long week. You're there playing <laughs> yeah. two competitive rounds and then you have two days off and you're playing three days in a row again. So basically a week straight if you don't take that day off in the middle. So talk a little yeah. bit about kind of, first of all, just how tough that was playing that many competitive rounds within a seven day stretch, but then also uh, just kind of your strategy going about it, how you tried to make sure that, that you were able to stay fresh and 
be ready to to go for that final stage yeah so um like i said i got there a little bit earlier it was uh it felt like a long time coming for it to actually <laughs> arrive it felt like it was ages away because obviously i entered about two months before right it's kind of just practicing every day working towards it it felt like it was still miles away and then it just all of a sudden came up and we're <laughs> off but no as soon as, as soon as i got there just the first day i think i arrived around one one o'clock so i had the all afternoon but i couldn't get into the hotel room till later so i just chilled got something to eat had a little walk around uh and later that afternoon it's, it's a long day traveling anyway so i just did some putting and shipping and then just kind of took it easy that day the next day i think what got up fairly early and then uh just did some practice in the morning went and played the course but luckily because we stayed in the hotel on the resort we got a a buggy for the practice rounds nice which is nice so it saved our legs because it was it was a pretty hilly course yeah so that that takes it out of you as well but no he just played that practice round and if if there was something they needed to work on a little bit i'd go and maybe do half an hour or so but nothing too uh too long but um so then the, the day after as well I was contemplating whether or not to play another practice round but in the end we went and played a practice round because it wasn't it wasn't um com- well it wasn't 100% comfortable with the course this is a bit quirky and there's a few tee shots where you need to know exactly where you're going. So we went and played again, like hitting the ball good, hitting most fairways. So I was, I was glad I did that and confident where I was going after that. And just kind of didn't do much practice that afternoon because I was playing the next morning. Uh, then, yeah, it was into competitive rounds and it's back to normal. It was nice. Nice yeah. to get a competitive rounds under the belt again. For sure. It felt like it being a while. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, so when you're actually in that final stage of Q school, you're playing in the middle of the tournament. Obviously, you yeah. make the cut the first day. Um, but how did you – or the second day, sorry. But going into that yeah. final round, what was your mindset? How did you really kind of keep your yourself from getting distracted by the fact that you were competing for basically your whole next year of golf. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it can be hard to like not think about that in a way, but um, I could spoke to my coach the day before I, I rang him after the second round because I wasn't as a little bit, dis, well, not disheartened, but I was a little bit down about the round and wasn't quite what it should have been. I struggled a little bit off the tee the second day, so kind of just talked to him about that. And obviously, I I never get too down about the round. It was gone as soon as it was over. It's gone, so it's just another day to get back out there and uh, make it right. But no, I I spoke to him that night, and like we just talked over what we needed to do the next day. We knew that, well, the aim was, because I think after the second round, I was one over. So he said, let's just finish under par. It'll be in easily. Just just go out, that's your target. And like the next, that round was just really solid. A couple of birdies on the front nine, no bogeys. I think got to three under after 12 and 
threw in a stupid double <laughs> in the next out just to make it a bit interesting. But no, it's finished solid and I think finished two under, so one under tournament. But no, you got to try and not think that it's be next year. Right. You just got to try and, yeah, just not think about that really. Yeah, just as much as you can stick to the process and focus yeah, well, on I suppose as long as long as you made the cut, though, uh, you get in most events for the next year. So that's kind of a little, yeah, in the back of your mind. You're thinking, well, I'm going to get into most things anyway. But obviously, it's nice to finish as high up as possible. Right. Awesome. Uh, and then, when did you kind of find out that you would finish in the top 35? Did you know as soon as you were done, or did it take a little while for you to kind of do some scoreboard watching? Um, no, I, I knew pretty much straight away. There was scoreboards around the course as well, which were telling, like, obviously it had the top, I think, five players, and then at the bottom it had what score top 35 was at. Gotcha. So I kind of, I think after, I didn't really pay much attention until it was after the 15th. I think it just dropped to three over the top 35, and I think I was two under tournament at that point, so... I kind of, I knew I just needed to hit the fairways, hit the greens, and just solid from there on out. Yeah. So then, what was the the emotion like after, after you finished, after you realized you had secured status yeah. for the next year? Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I was, <laughs> I was pretty happy. Yeah. But no, I, was, I, I think I, I rang my mum and dad straight away, and they, obviously they were happy. But uh, they, we were actually in the car driving somewhere and it was absolutely chucking it down there. So, <laughs> and then I was I switched the camera around and it was just pure sunshine. <laughs> I went too happy with me. But no, it was kind of a bit of relief as well to like have status for the next year and like know what you're doing because I can imagine if, if you didn't have that and you didn't know what you were doing, it'd be, be pretty tough because you wouldn't really know what to do, would you? Yeah, for sure. It can be tough, yeah. So, obviously, have a, a place to play, have a home for 2019. Talk a little bit about what the schedule looks like for 2019, where you're going to be playing, what the, how the tour is set up, all those yeah. things. So, I've actually I've, – they haven't fully released the schedule for next year yet. They've released the first five events, and that's it so far. And they're all in Egypt, so I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling. <laughs> yeah. So the first, the first two events are in February, so I'll be there. The first event starts the 19th, so I'll probably be flying around the 15th, 16th. And them two are back-to-back -back at the same place on different courses, so that's kind of nice to be in the same spot for a couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. It's not have to, not have to worry about that. So yeah, I've got got that, and then we'll go from there, really, because that's the only information they've sent regarding the tournament so far, gotcha. which is good. Yeah. So but, for guys who are are kind of coming out of college, young professionals, looking at at maybe looking into playing professional golf, trying to find a place to play. Uh, when you're looking at a place like the Alps Tour, what are you looking at from a cost perspective? Like how much uh, have you figured out or looked at all about how much the year is going to um, cost you to play all the events? I haven't fully worked it out yet, but I have a I have a decent idea of how much it's going to cost. And like from my coach as well, we have a a decent idea of what it's going to cost. That's why we're um, we don't really have much 
backing at the moment, but I'm working on something. I've got something in the works. So hopefully that'll come through and that'll help out. Because obviously that'll just take the pressure a little bit off. And right. you, obviously, you know, you've got that and you don't have to worry about, oh, I need to play well to earn my money back and stuff like that. Which I think for the first couple of years of a professional career, I think you need that. Right. Just to have a bit of stability and and like know where you're at financially, really, because it's it's not cheap. I'll tell yeah. you that. And I think that's one of the the misconceptions, or maybe not misconceptions, but just one of the things people don't think about as much is obviously like you're elated to have a place to play, to be full time status on a tour, but it's not yeah. like all those events are free. You're still having to pay for travel. Oh, no, no. it yeah. is all the events and and hotels and things like that, and so. Um, looking at the cost, trying to get sponsors, that's something that just comes along with playing professional yeah. golf. And it's something that uh, you've just kind of got to go through, especially in those first couple yeah, of years. Of course it is. Um, of course it is. To... Go ahead, sir. Yeah, everyone's got to start somewhere. So, yeah, everyone, everyone's in the same position as you are at that stage. So everyone knows how it is. And obviously there's only a few that go on from there and make it to the top. But you just have to trust it and keep going, keep positive. Obviously, you can't play well every week, but you just got to keep going. That's why it's pretty important financially. If you can get that back in, then it's going to help. Yeah. Help, help a lot. For sure. Um, and so we talked a little bit about the promotion that you can earn to the Challenge Tour from the Alps yep. Tour. Uh, but looking at like prize money and those sort of things, how is that set up on the Tour? So this is actually one of the main reasons why I'm going to focus on the Alps rather than the Euro Pro. So the, the prize money, it's not as high at the top as it is on something like the Euro Pro, but it's more evenly spread. So say, say you make the cut every week. If you come 40th, you're going to pretty much make your money back for the week. Whereas on the Euro Pro, you you're gonna lose quite a lot of money if you come if you just make the cut. Right. Which I mean, obviously, isn't the only reason. I feel well. I wanted to do the Alps just for the travel as well, really. So obviously, if you progress higher and higher, you're gonna travel more and more anyway. So why not get used to all the travel earlier on and get adapted to that? Because obviously, it takes more out of you traveling further and further than just staying in the same place. Definitely. Um, And have you looked into or thought about the travel aspect of it at all? As you look into traveling and doing different things, do you have kind of a a game plan in place or are you going to wait to see how the first couple of weeks go to try to figure out what works best for you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably going to be a big learning curve this next year, just in that, in that aspect. Like I'll, I'll probably do things like travel wise and where, I'll look back it after and think I'm not doing that again or, <laughs> or vice versa where something might work and I'll think oh, I'll do this every time. But yeah, it's, it's hard to really prepare for that though, I think. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, I mean, playing playing college golf, you travel a little bit, but it's yeah. not nearly the same. You're playing five tournaments a semester, whereas here you're playing almost every single week. You're traveling somewhere yeah. else and especially being over – uh, over there, a lot of times you're flying in between weeks where you're yeah. still playing and things like that. So it's definitely something that's going to take a lot of getting used to. Um, 
one of the things that we talk about quite a bit on the channel and something that I think is super important to development of golfers to helping people become elite is the team approach being able to surround yep. yourself with a team of people who are going to help you improve and help you kind of get to that next level. So talk a little bit about your team, who it includes, how it sets, how it sets up and how everyone kind of works with you, but also works together as well. Yeah. So obviously my, my main coach, probably more over there known as like a swing coach, but we, um, so he's, he's called Ryan Dome from Hesham. Um, we to be fair, I've been seeing him since I was about fourteen, fifteen. So we we obviously know each other really well now. And we've got a good relationship. Um, he knows exactly what I need to do, and I I'd, I know I know exactly where I am with him and everything like that. But to be fair, we probably don't see. I don't go and see him really like frequently right i tend to especially when i'm competing i don't don't really see him that much like when i'm actually in season playing i, I see him a bit more when i'm not in tournaments and and competing but obviously i'm i know i know my swing well enough now to where if something's off i can tell and I just send him through, like say I'm somewhere else, I just send him through some videos and he'll know straight away what's what the deal is. Just send me um, some things to do and we'll, we'll work on it that way. But I think one thing that uh, is important for everyone is that even if you're playing really well, you should definitely still go and see your coach because even when you're playing well and you feel like you're swinging well, you can pick up some habit like bad habits sometimes even when you're playing well so it's always good to go and see them and just check that everything's good and if obviously if you're swinging well and you can see that it's obviously good for you as well good feedback for yourself yeah definitely um and talk a little bit about kind of for you uh whether that's by yourself or with your coaches obviously being a, a professional now what is kind of your typical day look like when it comes to practice, working out, all the different things that, that go into trying to make yourself the best you can be? Yeah, so at the moment, obviously it's a bit, the weather's not great here, so there's only a limited amount right. of things you can do at the moment, but I always go work out early-ish in the morning, then I'll obviously get ready, have your protein or whatever you're having after that. Um, I'll go up to the golf club. I've been using, they've been letting me use the launch monitor there quite a lot throughout the winter just because obviously it's not great outside. Right. But so yeah, I've been taking advantage of that, like working on, I've worked a lot on uh, pitching distances just on, I think they've got a G, GC2 there. So yeah, I've been working on that a lot, just distances, uh, just making sure a swing path and club faces where it needs to be. Um, so, yeah, I've just been doing that. It's just, I don't really have, I don't like putting a time on things just because if you, if you say, oh, I'm going to do this for an hour and you like, you've done half an hour and it's going, you know, you've done some good work. You, you know, like sometimes you can just drag it out and you just don't concentrate right. for that over half an hour or whatever. But for like, sure. 
so yeah i don't tend to put a time restraint on anything like that i'll just go until it feels right and you know sometimes you just do something that clicks you just do a few more reps and you know you're there with it um but like on a day-to-day basis i'll go i'll hit balls on the range make sure i don't i'm not a range rep to be honest i don't like hitting (laughs) that many golf balls because i feel like my ball striking is pretty good anyway and unless i'm working on something that needs a, a lot of reps and need to hit a lot of balls i won't tend to hit thousands of balls on the range i much prefer doing working more on short game putting and chipping I've been doing, luckily at the golf club where I am, where I'm attached, we have a indoor putting studio upstairs in the pro shop. So luckily now the greens aren't great. I can go up there, do some technical work up there and just make sure everything's, everything's right. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what's kind of the, the biggest focus in your practice currently? What's the thing that, that you seem to be working more and more on every day? Um. So just, well, probably about a month before I went to Q school, I was, I was swinging it well, but I was bringing the club back a little bit short. So I've been working on just keeping it square. Um, I actually got um, a bit of a training aid to work on that. It's like, a, I don't know how to explain it. It's like put it on your arm. It's like the true, what is it called? The true, true plane. It does the same job as a true plane, but it's it's like an arm cast kind of thing. Gotcha. So I like, strap it into my arm. I can't move my arm, but it's like <laughs> a it's like a three quarter shot. So it just makes sure that the club face is square. Nice. And then just rotate through the ball, which has really helped. And like I I was doing that every day, hitting that fifty balls just with that on. And like I go went back for a lesson after doing it for two or three weeks, and there was just a huge difference in in the club face and swing path, and everything was just so on plane. And that I think that gave me a bit of extra confidence going into the Q school and knew that I was swinging it well, so everything was falling into place. But that's that's the main thing I've been working on, and also worked worked a lot on my putting stroke with I ten. When I get when I'm not putting great, I get a little bit long in my backstroke and kind of have a little bit of a loop coming back. So I've worked really hard on getting rid of that. So obviously that's that's going to take a lot of time because it's something that you obviously you do on every green, don't you? Yeah. So, so it's just something it's a hard habit to break. But I think we're getting there and making some good work. So good, yeah. Uh, and then how much time do you say you'd spend on the mental side of things? And what are some of the things that, that you try to work on mentally that have helped you so far? Um, to be honest, I, I've always thought that I was pretty good mentally. So I don't do too much stuff on that. Well, not like training wise or anything, thinking too much into it. I just try and stay as positive as possible. And, you know, if, so even when you're practicing, you know, some days you, you're not hitting it great, but you just kind of have to have a short memory with that and just forget about it and just stick to your process, stick to what you're working on and just just keep thinking positive, really. It's, it's easy to be down on yourself and when things aren't going right, but you just you have to somehow just get through that and 
I think that's that really helped me in Q school. Like there's times before when so for example the second round I I started with four bogeys in a row on the in the first stage and second round. So I went from being five under for the tournament to one under in the space of four holes, <laughs> and I, I I felt like I hadn't really hit a bad shot. I just got a bit unlucky and missed the green in the wrong spot. So I knew I knew I was still playing well. So I just kept going, plugging away, and just hold one putt and after that I was just I was there made six birdies on the back nine <laughs> shot two under so nice. it's just one of them things you just you just have to keep plugging away and just you just have to believe that what you're doing is working and stick to your process for sure um so talk to me a little bit about the upcoming year obviously we've talked about where you're going to play uh, kind of some of the events and, and the tour you're going to be on. But what are some of your goals for 2019? What would you like to see yourself do? What would you like to see yourself accomplish? Um, so I haven't, I'm going to sit down pretty soon with my coach and write them all down. There's something that I like doing, writing goals for yourself. But um, I think for me, this next year is just a case of kind of finding my feet as a professional um, obviously you're going to make some mistakes it's just how you react to them and how you learn from them really um, golf wise I mean obviously it'd be great to progress to the next level to the challenge tour whether that's through finishing the top five in the order of merit or going to Q school next year and getting my card that way that's obviously that's that's the biggest goal but I'm not really putting a time limit on that as of now because I think that's a bit too much pressure and you can kind of get obsessed with that and if you're not doing great after a couple of events you can push harder and harder and that's not always the best thing to do yeah you can get sure. lost in that really um but now I'm gonna sit down and write the goals down I'll I think I'll probably set myself a scoring average to aim towards and that'll be based on, well, I'll probably look through the statistics on the Alps tour of what's, what, need, what you need to have as a scoring average to progress to the next stage. And we'll, we'll go from that. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and then as you look forward, like further down the road into to future goals past this year, obviously within, within your career, how do you handle that? Obviously, I, I mean, your goal is to make it to the European tour to get to the highest yeah. level. Um, but when you look at, at your long-term future, do you try to lay out like a roadmap? Do you take it year by year, take it month by month? How does it, I mean, obviously with professional golf, it can change at any time, but yeah, of course it can, yeah. To, to sit down and try to plan it out or do you just kind of see where it goes and, and reevaluate each year? I think what I'll probably, I probably will put down a roadmap after sitting down with my coach, but I think you have to reevaluate every year anyway, just to see where you are. But, um, but yeah, well, like I said, I think we're going to see where this year goes and you just never know what's going to happen. Do you? you could take off and be there straight away, or it could take you a while to get where you want to be. But yeah, we'll, we'll plan a roadmap. And obviously the, the end goal is to make the European tour. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll probably put a time 
like put it in a time frame after this first year, probably. But no, we'll, we'll still playing a couple of. I'll probably give myself a couple of other goals outside of the Alps Tour as well. Like I, I'll probably play in. Well, I will play in the Open qualifying again. Um, I think I'm going to go to Euro Pro Q School, try and get a card there, and maybe play four or five events on that tour as well. You know, just to keep keep me going because this Alps tour it's it's quite spread out so you're gonna play I think probably the most you're gonna play in a month is two events on this tour so there's always gonna be gaps where you can play other events and try and test yourself against other fields and stuff like that. So yeah I wanna wanna do that. Good, good. Uh it's the time in the show where we get to to one of the fun things we like to do. Uh we call it the the Twilight Nine. <laughs> Very similar to going out uh, on a summer's evening and trying to get in nine holes as quick as possible. So yeah. I'm going to ask you nine questions, uh, more of just a rapid fire. So uh, just kind of the first thing that, that pops into your head. We just want to know the answer and get to know you a little better. Sound good? All right. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so what's your lowest tournament score? Uh, 66. 66. What's your go-to pre-round meal? Go-to pre-round meal. I don't even think I have one. <laughs> Just whatever's available? It's usually a big breakfast. Big breakfast? What do you eat for breakfast? Big, big, big cooked breakfast. Big bacon, cook. sausage, some eggs. Nice. Uh, what's, what's your favorite on-course snack? Ooh, it's def- we have these cereal bars here. Uh, we've got like oats in, raisins, chocolate. That's my go-to at the moment. That's and Jaffa go-to. Cakes as well. You Jaffa probably haven't cakes. heard of Jaffa Cakes. I have, but I'm sure a lot of people haven't. They are very, very good. Uh, <laughs> what's your current pre-gym pump-up song? Pre-gym pump-up song? See, I just shuffle. I'm not, <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have one song. I, just, I have a, I have a uh, playlist, but I always just shuffle it. Gotcha. I can't. I can't say I have one specific <laughs> pump up song. Uh, what's your least favorite or the hardest exercise that you do on a regular basis in the gym? Split squats. Split squats. Oh, killer! Yeah, horrible. <laughs> uh, all right. So you're late to a tournament round. You get to the course and you only have ten minutes until your tea time. What do you do? Um, hit a couple of putts, get two clubs out and start swinging them together, get loose, walk onto the first tee. I'll probably, shoot, I'll probably shoot a better score doing that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, three more. Uh, what's your golf brand of choice? Golf brand? What, clothing or? Whatever you want, just golf, golf brands. Um, I Puma. Puma? Puma. Puma. That's how we say it in America. Uh, what's the best movie of all time? Best movie of all time. There's too many of them. <laughs> the, the Hangover. The Hangover? Amazing. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and then what's your favorite sports team? Favorite sports team? Um, 
Obviously, it's the Indianapolis Colts, obviously. Indianapolis Colts. There we go. <laughs> go horse. All right, perfect. That was our Twilight Nine with Jack Clarkson. Uh, before we let you go, Jack, a couple more questions here. Uh, just advice for people who may be listening to the podcast, a couple different demographics, things that you've been through. So if we have some juniors listening who are looking to kind of go to that next level, play college golf, whether they're American kids looking to continue to play or international kids looking to come over here and play, what would your biggest piece of advice be to them as they kind of go through the process of trying to, to get a spot on a roster for a college team? Um, I think probably just keep your options open, like talk to as many schools that are interested in you because you never know which one's going to be right for you. Um, I think obviously we couldn't do this as much, but if I was an American or living in America, I'd go and visit the ones that were interested in me. Obviously, it's a little bit more difficult international unless they're paying for it. Then go and go visit them all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then for current college players who are looking to pursue golf as a career, guys who are looking to to turn pro at some point in their lifetime and hopefully wind up playing for money, what would your biggest piece of advice be to them as they're st still currently in college right now? Um, I'd say. Just you obviously you have to work hard but at the same time you've got to work smart as well like you can work on you can work hard on things that aren't gonna be that as beneficial as something else you just have to be smart on what you're working with and like you have to do your research into parts of the game that are the most important and really dial in the numbers with them things uh, lastly, where can people follow you and your professional journey? Where can they follow along with what you're doing and, and keep up to date with some of your results as you start going through this um, Instagram, Clarkson Instagram. underscore Jack. Okay. Um, I think we're about to actually make a new account just for golf on Instagram. So Nice. Well, by the time we post this, if, if that account's created, I'll be sure to yeah. put it in the, the notes of the Definitely. show. Definitely. Um, It'll be getting sure. made soon. You'd be getting made soon. Be, for, be yeah. sure to follow Jack's personal account yeah. as well. Uh, well, I appreciate you hopping on the podcast, man. We really enjoyed it. No problem. Thanks Obviously. for having me. Yeah, of course. Best of luck this season as you start Thank the you. journey of your professional career, and we can't wait to follow along. That wraps up this week's episode of Making the Turn. Want to give a huge thank you to Jack Clarkson for coming on to the show. His insight into the life of a young touring professional was really cool. It was also awesome the advice he gave to some other people who may be in his shoes. Please feel free to follow along with Jack's Instagram. Follow his journey this year throughout the Alps tour schedule. I'll be sure to link his Instagram in the description box below. Once again, thank you guys for the support you've been given to making the turn and to Vince Drum and Golf. Really appreciate it. Please hit that like button on this video, share this video and the channel with some friends, and also subscribe to the channel. We look forward to seeing you guys next week. This is Vince Drum and Golf, and I'm out.